You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Let's welcome in all the people watching online from all over the world. Come on, High Ridge family. Welcome, everybody. We're so glad that you're watching. Do us a favor. If you like what you hear today, make sure you click that share button. That means a lot to us. I also want to say thank you for all of you who are supporting us financially. It means the world, not just to us and those that are in this room. And it means the world to those that are being affected by all the different things and the missions and the areas that we're giving to. You're making a difference. And I just want to say thank you. It means a lot. Grab your Bibles, if you would. We're going to spend some time in the book of Acts today. I think God's got something powerful to speak to you as we turn our attention to his word. Acts chapter 9, specifically. We get to start a brand new series today. Come on, somebody say, woo. Brand new series. I think this is going to be a a powerful series where God begins to move us into a new area of submission, new area of obedience, and I think it's going to be powerful. This is called Life in the Sweet Spot. We're going to spend uh, the next eight weeks here talking about what that means, uh, the sweet spot. So Acts chapter 9 is where we get started. Now, when I say the word sweet spot, you may have a completely different definition of what sweet spot means. For some of us, it's that it's that the, the sound that a bat makes when you hit a baseball right in the sweet spot. There's nothing like that. If you've ever played baseball and you get that perfect swing where you don't even feel it, you hit it in the sweet spot. And for some of us, it's that, it's that after dinner moment where the waiter comes over and says, would you like dessert? You're like, no, I couldn't possibly, but let me just look and see what you got, you know, because there's always room for a little sugar. Come on, somebody say amen. We don't lose weight till January. Come on, don't put that on me. But I want to talk about how we define that sweet spot, that, that place where you say, I'm in, I'm in my sweet spot. And that really is the goal of life, to be in the, in the sweet spot. And I think we define it as that, that place where you're at, where you're, where you're feeling good about the area of life, the stage of life. You're feeling comfortable. You're, you're feeling validated. You're feeling like, hey, I've got a couple things going that, that are right. Maybe for you, that's where you have a, just a little bit more money in the bank than you have bills. And you're like, oh, I'm finally in a sweet spot. Come on, somebody. That'd be nice. Maybe you're in a place where you had one day without an argument between you and your spouse. You're like, we finally made it against all odds. Maybe it's that day where your toddler did not throw a fit. And you're like, sweet Jesus, they're not demons. I, I honestly was a little confused and, and doubted for a moment. What does the sweet spot look like to you? I think we, we have this definition in our mind where we find something that we're good at, we build a comfortable life, and we enjoy it as long as we can. We're in the sweet spot. We want to stay in the sweet spot. But what about when life is not enjoyable? What about when you're not good and when you have to learn? What about when circumstances take you to a place where you don't want to be in this season? Where's the sweet spot then? Where's the sweet spot when you get the diagnosis that you didn't want? Where's the sweet spot when the marriage isn't working? Where's the sweet spot when the addiction didn't get broken? How can we find that sweet spot again? I think in order to really find what the sweet spot is, we have to redefine what that sweet spot is. And we have to let our minds turn from not how we define it, but how God defines it. And so in Acts chapter 9, we're going to take a little journey and hopefully let us redefine kind of what that sweet spot is in our lives. I believe this to be true, that if I'm willing to leave that comfort and expertise, I can find a new frontier of purpose and effectiveness. That's really what we want, isn't it? We, we want to 
be effective for the kingdom of God. We want to walk in our purpose. And so in Acts chapter 9, we find someone that uh, to this point has been operating in their sweet spot. It's a man named Saul. What we know about Saul is that he's from a place called Tarsus. Tarsus is a very diverse city, a very wealthy city that, uh, that loves and values diversity and it values education. And so because that's the kind of culture that you grow up in, those are the things that get validated and celebrated. Paul becomes a person that is extremely well-versed, well-taught in the law. He learns the law of God. We know that he leaves Tarsus. He heads to Jerusalem to study underneath the man called Gamaliel. Gamaliel is the, the, top, the top religious leader of the day. He devotes his whole life to understanding the law better, to get really good at this education we also know that, like many of us, he also has a backup plan. You know, he's a tent maker on the side. He's like, hey, you know, if this whole thing doesn't work out, I'm going to make some tents and make some real money. And I, I understand that. Because the moment that God calls you into ministry, you're like, hey, well, how am I going to make a living? <laughs> I learned growing up in ministry that, hey, this is, this is choosing a, a, a different path. You don't get the things that other people get. And there's, if you get something nice, everybody's going to be mad at you for it. Like, how can a preacher wear that? How can he drive? Like, I don't know. I get it. And so as Paul finds himself in the middle of this sweet spot part of life where he's really good, he's really educated, he's very validated, he's, he's produced what the culture tells him he should be. He's got the education, he's got this life, he's got this purpose. And God completely defines differently the sweet spot from what he defines it as. And we see this in Acts 9, starting in verse 1. It says, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he has taken the law and he's used it to put Christians into prison. You're breaking of the original law. Let me tell you this, uh, Saul may have hated Jesus, but Jesus still loved Saul. And because Saul was working against the kingdom of God and really good at being really bad, God takes him from his sweet spot and shows him something different. The Bible says that God takes Saul and knocks him off of his horse while he's on the road, strikes him with blindness and begins to speak to him. Look at this in the scripture. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven that he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said to him, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I love that in that simple question, Lord, what do you want me to do? We find the beginning of a brand new sweet spot, a place of submission, a place of obedience, a place of questioning, a place of saying, okay, Lord, it's, it's not about what I want and where I'm going so what do you want? There's a new revelation. The Bible tells us that Paul is, we know him as, as Paul, but originally his name was Saul, and God strikes him with blindness so that he can help him see. At the same time that God is taking Saul and moving him into a new sweet spot, God is also working on a man inside of the city that he was going to. His name is Ananias, and God is pulling him out of his sweet spot. God speaks to Ananias and says, hey, Annie, that's what... I think he would have called him. Hey, Annie, there's a guy coming to you. 
but I want you to lay your hands on and pray for him and you're gonna cure him of blindness. Cool, that's gonna be awesome. I get to cure somebody of blindness today, Lord? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is it? His name is Saul. Oh, hey, uh, can we pick somebody else, please? There's like two blind guys that live in the next town over. That I don't think you know who you're talking about, Lord. You ever had an argument with the Lord? Like, Lord, you don't understand. Lord, I, your ways are not my ways. Let me explain to you my ways. You ever argued with God about what he wants you to do? No, is it just me? But the Bible says that Saul shows up at Ananias' house. Ananias lays his hands on him. And the scales fall off of his eyes and he can see suddenly a, a new person. But it didn't just, uh, didn't just happen that way. God has to pull Ananias out of his sweet spot with a little conversation that he has with Ananias preparing him to do it. As a matter of fact, God says this to Ananias in, in verse 15. The Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. Speaking of Saul, God says, I'm, I'm choosing him to be an instrument. And he says, I'm gonna show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. It's amazing that God takes Saul from a life of comfortable validation, a life where he feels like I'm in my sweet spot and takes him into a new area of sweet spot that's his purpose and effective for the kingdom of God. Yet, he also includes suffering. God says, I'm gonna show him how much he has to suffer for my name. So isn't that wild how in one season we see Saul bringing suffering to Christians, and in the next season, we see Saul suffering on their behalf. It's amazing how God will take us from one sweet spot into something completely different and redefine it if we allow him the authority to do that. You still with me today? So how do we, how do we define sweet spot according to what God's word? I wanna give you some uh, some, some tools that I think will help you. And over the next uh, eight weeks, we're gonna dive deeper into this, understanding how to find that sweet spot, how to find that place of effectiveness for the kingdom of God in any season. And so the first thing I want you to, to list, if you would, if you're a note taker, you might wanna write this down. I'm gonna give you three things that are really important. We're gonna build the foundation of everything else that we talk about over the next eight weeks on, on, on these three points. Number one, I don't get to define what that sweet spot is. This is real important for believers because if you think that you get to decide what your sweet spot is, you're gonna build a God in the image of yourself. You're gonna build a God that never disagrees with you, a God that validates everything you do because you're perfect just the way you are, a God that will never push you to your limits, he will never push you into something that's uncomfortable, that will never ask anything of you because you are amazing. And by the way, this is really where we find the church today, the church at large. We're building a false God that looks a lot like us. He's made in our image. But you don't get to define what the sweet spot is for your life. He does. If we're believers, if we are truly sons and daughters of the Most High God, that means we have given him authority to speak into our lives. And you tell me what's best for me. You tell me what's right. You tell me which way to go, and I will follow you. I don't get to define what the sweet spot is. I say it this way, I can live my whole life being really good at things that are contrary to God's purpose for me. Somebody say amen. We see this. Paul was really, really good at being really, really bad and thought I'm living in my purpose, destroying Christianity, 
God's like, no, I'm, I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna destroy the person that you think you are and you're gonna thank me for it. I'm gonna show you what real purpose is. I'm gonna show you what a real sweet spot is. Now, uh, when I think of the word sweet spot, I'm reminded of uh, when I was 12 or 13, I worked for a guy that was the executive director of the Boys and Girls Clubs. And I loved just getting able, getting able to, uh, to be at the events that he, was, uh, that he was at because he raised money constantly for this nonprofit. And one of the things he taught me how to do was how to be the little poor Mexican kid that could get autographs from celebrities where he could not. He's like, kid, you got something. What is it? He's like, you're little. And celebrities will give you their autographs because you're a little kid. They won't do it for me because I'm a grown man and they know I'm gonna sell it on eBay. Now, if you don't know what eBay is, it used to be a place where people would sell before everything else. Before Facebook Marketplace, before all that, it was eBay. And so they got to the place where they understood that uh, as a celebrity, if you sign something, people would auction it off and immediately sell it. They wouldn't do that. So he's like, hey, I'm gonna use kids. And so uh, he told me, um, I want you to get this autograph from this person. I had no idea who half these people were, but he would send me up to famous athletes and say, get them to sign this, get them to sign this, get them to sign this. And then sometimes he would say, get him to sign this in the sweet spot. And for those of you that understand autographs, um, a sweet spot is a place on a baseball. Let me see this baseball if you wouldn't mind, Pastor Doug. That's located right between the center stitching. See this? Now, here's the thing. If you get an autograph in the sweet spot, what it means is the player that signs it in the sweet spot is saying, I'm a Hall of Famer. I've earned the right to sign it in a place where very few people get a chance to sign it. Most people would sign a baseball right here in the blank spot that says, I'm humble. I'm just here because I love the game. I'm nobody. But if you get a person that's truly in the Hall of Fame, they'll say, I did this, and they'll sign it in the sweet spot. Now, you may notice that this ball is signed in the sweet spot. This ball is actually signed by a rookie who knew no better because I asked him, would you sign in the sweet spot? And he said, sure. Signs in the sweet spot. And everybody else looks at him like. <laughs> now I could tell you his name, but you wouldn't know it. He didn't understand what the sweet spot was. I wonder how many of us live our lives misunderstanding that sweet spot, redefining it by what we think is important. Here you go, Pastor Doug, if you don't mind. Look at those hands. That's what I'm talking about. Let me say it this way. Our definition of sweet spot is built around comfort and validation. But God defines a sweet spot by area of greatest effectiveness. He defines it by your willingness to be obedient. And that's completely different than what we have in our minds. So remind you, uh, Philippians 2 says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work. And look at this, for his Doesn't say yours. Now, I wish it did. I really wish it did. It says God is gonna work in you and God is gonna use his will for your pleasure. It's made to make you happy. That's not what I said. I wish it was different, but why? God says, because it's not about you. It really isn't. I don't get to define what the sweet spot is for my life. Not if I am submitted to him. He gets to tell me what that sweet spot is. You still with me? So we understand that I don't get to define it. Here's point number two. How do I find that sweet spot? The sweet spot is found by letting go. It's found by submitting, surrendering, taking our hands off, taking the labels off and saying, Lord, I submit to you. I want what you want. 
It's amazing that 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 area of most effectiveness, something all of us want to walk into, is found the more that we surrender. And that's that crazy dichotomy that Jesus has where he said, you know what, you want to find your life, you got to lose it. You want to get it, you got to give it away. You want to walk in it, you got to let it go. Want to go up, you got to go down. Because it plays with our mind. And what we have that we think is so important, and God says that's, that's really not important at all. I want to remind you that God says this in Isaiah 5, Isaiah 55. He says, my thoughts, the Texas Virgin would say, my thoughts ain't your thoughts. My ways, they ain't your ways. I don't think like you think. I don't process like you process. My way's better. I love how God takes Saul and begins to redefine his area of most effectiveness. And it starts with that profound question that Saul says as he's kneeling on the road, struck with blindness. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? I wonder if God was to speak to you today and answer that question. If if you were to ask that of the Lord and God was to speak something into your life, I wonder how many of us would say, yeah, it's not my sweet spot. Yeah, no thanks. Is it just just me? No, you're like, hey, Lord, whatever you say, whatever you want. Really? Let's be honest here. If there's one place you can be honest in, it's, it's the church. Most of us would say, that can't be God. That doesn't sound like the Lord at all. God would never ask that of me. He wants me to be comfortable. What would people think? No, no, the sweet spot is found by letting go of of what I want, what I think is important, what other people may say is important, my area of expertise, and by a simple submission to the power of the Holy Spirit. This is life in the sweet spot. Lord, what do you want for me. Paul finds his highest place of effectiveness by letting go and leaning in, and you will too. It's the reason why most people never find the will of God for their life. You may get saved, maybe you get baptized, and you sit in a church, and we listen. And we never submit, we never surrender, we never walk through a process that the Bible calls sanctification, where God crosses your will, and you submit, and you say, you know what? I trust you. I trust that your way is better than what I want. This really is what we, what we come up against as we're looking at, 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 the, at the American version of Christianity. Like when we look at the finished product of, of what we're becoming, we find a group of people that believe that we're saved, believe that we're living in the center of God's will as long as God asks nothing of me. As long as God doesn't want to do anything with my life except make me comfortable and wealthy and keep me healthy, I'm good. And what happens is you have years come along like 2020 that put pressure on that relationship that you think is so rock solid. And that pressure reveals what's really on the inside, which is a lot of fear and anger and divisiveness and bad thoughts. Produces so much anxiety and depression Horrible words. And then here we are a couple of years later, and we're saying, yeah, that didn't happen. Let's just delete those tweets. Let's, let's, just, uh, let's just forget leaving the past behind us, as the Bible says, that none of that really happened. I didn't really act that way. I didn't really do those things. No, not you, not you. People in third service, not you. You would never do that. Come on, here's the thing. 
Let the pressure tell you the truth. Tell you the truth. And let's recognize that I wasn't operating in my sweet spot there. I was operating out of a lot of fear, operating out of a lot of anger, operating out of a lot of anxiety. I'm afraid. And what it produced was not God's best in me, but it told me the truth. And so now as we look at this series over the next eight weeks, we want to combat that exact same issue. Lord, we see, we see ourselves, and, and, and that, that doesn't look a lot like you. It just doesn't. So how do I find that sweet spot? How do I find the heart of God in every season, no matter what life throws at me? How can I find your heart? How can I find the center of your will? How can I be the most effective in this season? And that is life in the sweet spot. I don't get to define what that sweet spot is. It's found by letting go. And then lastly, number three, this is important. There is a sweet spot in every season. There is a sweet spot, that that center of the will of God, that place of most effectiveness, that place where God can use me. In every season of my life, there is an opportunity to find that sweet spot. No matter what you're walking through, there is a sweet spot. How do I know that? You're talking about even the hard parts of life? Yes. Even the painful parts of life? Yes, especially the painful parts of life. There's a sweet spot. Why? Because God's a God of redemption. God is a God of redemption. He does not just redeem people's lives. Anybody be redeemed in this place? You know what I'm talking about? You were living one way. God redeemed your life. Yes. I'm talking to some people that I redeemed. God doesn't just redeem people's lives. He redeems pain. He redeems evil things. He redeems our hurts. He redeems situations. As a matter of fact, what we found to be true is that Jesus makes sweet spots out of painful seasons. And this is my heart and my hope for you is to recognize the heart of God, that no matter what you may have walked through, that God can redeem that and use it for his purpose to push you, to propel you into an area of new effectiveness that you'd rather just avoid, that you'd rather cover up, that you'd rather not talk about. Like, no, no, that's, 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 a little, that's a little too much. You're sharing too much. I don't want to hear about all that. Like, you're about three beers too intimate. Nobody? What, you Baptist? I'm sorry. You can say it in church. You drank it last night. Don't act like you didn't. So people writing that down. How does he know? Jesus, help us right now. Jesus, no. Jesus makes sweet spots out of painful seasons and he uses them to redeem your life from where you've been to who you're supposed to be. Now you may have noticed that, that, that Saul, if you know your Bible, he doesn't stay Saul for very long. He becomes, he becomes Paul. Now I always had this idea in my mind for some reason that, that, that this name change is just like the name change that we see throughout the Bible where God calls one person by their new name and they become a completely different person. We see this happening over and over. Old Testament, New Testament, people like Simon becomes Peter and, and God uh, call, you know, gives nicknames to people, the, the sons of thunder to James and John. And this is one of those situations, right, where Saul becomes Paul. Jesus changes his name. There's no scripture that says that. That doesn't say that at all. As a matter of fact, when you study it, you recognize this is not a Jesus thing where Jesus changes his life. This is where Saul decides, I'm a different person. I'm no longer going by my Hebrew name. 
You see, the Hebrew name Saul is a very, very good name. It's a powerful name. It means educated. I'm one that asks questions. I'm one that's constantly learning. It shows the value of the education of the, of the culture of Tarsus. But Paul says, from now on, I'm gonna be known as Paul, which is my Greek name, by the way, because God is leading me to the Gentiles. And the name Paul in the Greek language means small, humble, little, less than. You see, as God takes one sweet spot and begins to redefine it, and in one season, Saul is persecuting the church, making them suffer, and in the next season, he's suffering on their behalf. You know, God can take your greatest suffering and redeem it and use it to make something beautiful. That's the sweet spot where God takes the pain and makes it into something that's beautiful. How do we know that? Romans 8 reminds us this. It says, and we know that in all things. Somebody say all things. All things. All things. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's important that you see that God works all things together for your good. That our response is just to love him, to know him better, to trust him in life's painful moments so that he can use them to make sweet spots out of. I want to I just make sure that you hear that. You know, God may not have made that happen, but God can always use it because my God doesn't waste pain. He redeems it. And he can redeem yours. As a matter of fact, things that we try to distance from, God has a way of redeeming it and making us champions of. The thing that hurt me is now my ministry. The thing that the enemy used to try to stop me, God redeemed it and made it the thing that I used to encourage everybody else to keep going. You see how God does that? He takes the painful, pot, painful spot and makes it the, the sweet spot. You know, I, have, uh, I was raised in church. My dad was a pastor. He planted four churches. We've been a part of a lot of different churches over the years. And um, let me just tell you that there's some churches were amazing and healthy. Others were, were the opposite of whatever that is. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been to a church or, or two or three that you're like, this is really, really great. This is amazing. And then you go to a church and you're like, what is this? This doesn't, this does, this, something's off. Something's not right. You know, it's amazing to me that the painful experiences that I've had in church at, at one point of my life made me reject the church completely. Like, forget that. They're all about money. Forget that. They're all about manipulating people. Forget that. They're about using people, throwing them out. Where were they when, when I needed this? And where were they when that person needed this? And I find a way of getting offended strongly because of my church hurts. Come on, you ever been there? Come on, don't look at me like that. You've been there too. I, know, I see your emails. I see your, I see your tweets. I get it. And there's a point in my life where I looked at the church and said, not for me. No thanks. Knowing that God had called me to ministry, I'm like, that is not my sweet spot. No, no thank you. Why? You can't make any money. Like, I, I want to be comfortable. And let me just tell you, when you're, when you're planning churches, comfort you better redefine comfort because it's hard. It's hard work. You're plowing concrete. It's difficult. 
There's not a lot of people coming. Ain't, ain't a lot. And in one season, I hate church for what it's done to be how it's used and abused and hurt. And in the next season, God makes me a champion of healthy church. I love church health. We strive for church health. We look for church health. We celebrate church health. We long to be as healthy as possible because we know what it's like to not be. I love that we were able to, um, to bless several churches. And by the way, if you're, if you're around on Thursday night, we have Unite coming right here at the Belcher Center Laterno, getting 14 churches to work together to start, to start getting healthier together, challenging each other, pushing each other to be healthier. We need help. We all need help. How do we do that? We work together. Is that going to be tough? Yes. Just like being married. Two different cultures coming together in the same room. We do not agree on everything. Somebody must be right. I promise you, in most circles, it's going to be me because I'm the loudest. It's difficult to lay down and say, okay, let's, let's work together and see what we could accomplish together. If we don't care who gets the credit, we just want to get healthy. We want to see the, the power of God released in our city. Let's work together. In the process, you watch God begin to do amazing things that I never thought were possible when I was 16 looking at the church and saying, that's not for me. It's amazing how God can do something in my life and say, I'm going to make you a champion of that. Yeah, not for you. <laughs> it's going to be what you care about, what makes you happy, what makes you feel fulfilled when you see churches getting better. When you walk in while others walk out and say, let's, let's fix this. That's a good thing. I love looking at my marriage and I, I'm, I'm so completely proud of my marriage and the health that we have as husband and wife. That's a, that's a big deal. It matters. Has it always been that way? No. I know what it's like to be divorced. I know what it's like to be a single dad. I know what it's like to walk through failure and stand in front of a church and be like, my marriage is broken. I get it. And some of you are like, is he the real pastor? Can you say that? I'm sorry. I don't know. This is as good as it gets. But it happened because in one season, it's painful and it's broken. And in the next season, God makes me a champion of it because I know what it's like to not have the health. I get it. Let me remind you, over the next eight weeks, you're gonna get out of this what you put into it. And if you can come in a spirit of honesty and simply respond like Saul said, Lord, what do you want me to do? If you can do that, we'll start there. And God will begin to speak to your life. And I think he's gonna do in, in, in you something that he's been doing in me and several others. It's become part of our culture where we just say we're getting really comfortable with being uncomfortable. Why? Because God's challenging us. He's pushing us into new seasons of maturity. He's sanctifying us and we're saying, yes, okay. If I can do it, you can do it. We see this echoed in Old Testament, New Testament, in every single part of the word of God. God takes people from one season and brings them into a place of the sweet spot. He wants to do the same for you. So as we finish up today, I wanna just, uh, just challenge you. I wanna challenge you over the next eight weeks to come, to be a part of what's happening here. And to say, okay, Lord, whatever your word says, I'm gonna take a step in that, in that direction. By the way, this won't be me. I'm not gonna tell you to do anything. That, that, that's manipulation if it comes from me. You need to hear for yourself. But here's the thing. Once you hear for yourself and you decide not to, that's on you. That's on you. That's not my fault. 
I'm gonna challenge you, push you. My job as a pastor is very, very clear in the book of 2 Timothy. My job is to equip you to do the work that God has called you to do. You have a sweet spot. It's your place of effectiveness. You don't get to define that. You get to submit to it or to disobey it. That's on you. But once you know, I wanna encourage you to press in because that's where you find the good stuff. That's where you find the sweet spot, the place of most effectiveness for your life. You still with me? As we finish up there today, I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to give you a chance to respond to the Lord, to open up your heart to whatever it may be that he's wanting to speak to you. You have a God that, by the way, reminds us over and over through his word. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. If you really want to find me, I can be found. He says, give me your heart. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to invite you to pray a prayer. Very simply, it's, it's this. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Am I in my sweet spot, my place of greatest effectiveness for you, Lord? Or have I made my own sweet spot, a place of comfort? A place where people validate it Tell me I'm good and I'm killing it, crushing it. Life goals. Is that, is that really your place? Or is it my place? Lord, what do you want me to do? What are you saying to me? Father, I know that you hear us. And I know that you can speak. I know that you love speaking to your people. You love leading us. That's your heart. And as we've pursued you today, as we've gone into your presence with worship, as we've opened up your word and let it speak into us, Father, our heart is just to know you because you want to be known. You want us to seek you. You want us to find you. You want us to get into a relationship with you that gets deeper than we've ever allowed ourselves the freedom to go. Would you speak to our hearts? Help us to become exactly what you've called us to be, effective in our lifetime. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, perhaps you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, if I'm going to be really honest with you, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I, uh, I don't have that. I, I want that. My friend, you're in the right place. Maybe you're watching us today and you say, Pastor, I'm kind of like you. I was raised in church, but I've, I've gotten away from God. My friend, you're in the right place too. If you're ready, today can be a brand new day. I want to help you just like somebody helped me one time to take your first step. If you want a relationship with Jesus, if you need to come home, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. I'll tell you what to say. The prayer goes like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came and lived and died, but rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you to be my boss, my Lord, my Savior. I give my life to you right now. Will you forgive me and use me for whatever it is that you want? In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed all over this place, my friend, if that was you and you actually prayed that prayer, do me a favor, just look up at me from all over this place. I see you good. Just lift your hands. That was me, Pastor. That was me. I prayed that prayer. Good. I see you, young man. Good. 
Good. So proud of you. If you're watching online today and you say that, that was me, Pastor. Actually, I prayed that prayer. I want to invite you to take step number two. You've come this far. I want to challenge you to take one more step. Would you text me? The number's appearing on your screen. Text the words, I prayed, to 844-HRC-TEXT. If you do that, I'm going to send you some links to some things that will help you understand what just happened in your heart and what to do next. It be like, it, it's my greatest pleasure to help you on your journey to get to know the Lord better. Good for you. I'm proud of you. Well, Highridge family, go ahead and stand up with me if you would. And as we end our services today, we want to make sure that you know that we have people that would love to pray for you no matter what season you may be walking through. So our pastors and elders are going to be coming. They're going to be right down here at the front. And they're going to be available as this service ends to pray for you about any needs that you may have. If you're watching online, you say, hey, that was a good service. Click the share button if you wouldn't mind. Interact with some people that are also watching online. Some are sick at home. Some don't have a healthy church. Some are located far out. And this is as close as they can get to church family. Make sure you interact. Tell people where you're watching from. Let people know that they're not alone. It's a big deal. Also, I want to remind you, Unite Week is this week. Come on, somebody. So if you don't have a ticket to Unite and you say, hey, you know what? I'd, I'd love to get a ticket. Then uh, you can get that at uniteandlead.com. If you say, hey, I can't really afford to go there because, uh, you know, circumstances are difficult in this season, I would love for you to have a ticket. We've got just a couple left. We had a couple left this morning. Uh, first service got most of them. You can hate on them later. Uh, we got just a couple left. We have four left, four tickets left. So those are floor seats. Those are my personal seats. I would love to bless you with them if you can't afford to be there. But please don't take it if you're not going to actually use it. Come on, use it. We want you to see what God's doing in our city. It's amazing. Also, because it's life in the sweet spot, our lobby is full of candy today because, hey, we're not losing weight till January. Don't even worry about it. It's all fat-free, sugar-free. That's a complete lie. That's the only lie I've told you today. But we would love to bless you. Hey, take as much as you want. It's, it's all for you. We'd love to be a generous church. And hey, it's your tithe money anyway. You bought it. So go take it. So uh, if you want your kids to not have candy, that's on you. You be the bad guy. We want them to have candy, to love church. Come on, somebody. Awesome. Let me pray for you and bless you as we go. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this amazing week, getting to know you, your people, and your word. Would you bless my friends with an incredible week following after you all week long. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.